0: up in my headphones charles
1: turning it up hello 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 everybody welcome to yet another very exciting episode of the friends talking fantasy podcast my name is charles and with me today as always is my lifelong friend and co-host dylan I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles. I am ready to talk some fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan, and not just any fantasy today. Because today we are dusting off in old format for episodes. We've only done this one other time before. Happy to be back. And that is our indie author spotlight.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited to get into this, Charles. We have a copy of Cold from the North by D.W. Ross that we have both read, and we're going to give a spoiler-free discussion, very high-level overview of this book, try to talk about uh, what kind of folks might really enjoy this book and uh, yeah, give you a heads up of this novel that's out there for your wonderful reading pleasure. That is right, Dylan, and thank
1: you to D.W. Ross for reaching out to us on the Twitter sphere mm-hmm. and sharing with us a advanced copy of Cold from the North. We appreciate the support. Yes,
0: we do. Yeah, and so. I I almost feel, I feel this urge to give some sort of, like, turn it down your headphones thing that I'd usually do in the episodes where we have spoilers, but we have no spoilers. So I guess yeah. we just, now we just talk, right, Jess? That's
1: right. And because there's no spoilers, we don't have to give a spoiler warning. And instead, we can get right into the book. I think, Dylan, the best place to start is to read the synopsis. If, right. uh do you, uh, do you want me to just go ahead and just and crank go it ahead, up? Charles? You got this. All right. So, this is a description of Cold from the North by D.W. Ross as it appears on the Goodreads page. Driven by the promise of an ancient prophecy, which will bring the dark ways of an old god back to power and prominence, an army of invaders swarms Olgoth, Harlsbane, homeland slaughtering all those who oppose them. Along with his people, Ogolf must seek refuge from this savage force. In his search of sanctuary, he is tasked with finding the one person who can put a stop to the onslaught. Doing so will send him across lands and sea, have him and his closest friends navigate the intricacies of a civil war, and try to win the help of the princess fighting for her throne. If he fails, darkness will prevail and the reign of the Onyxborn will begin.
0: No pressure, o golf. <laughs> I think you added that last. Bit, yeah, um, correct. I did. I did add that last bit, <laughs> no, just to make sure people know <laughs> that the back of this book does not say "no pressure, o golf." <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Charles, that was well done, and we knew you had a voice for podcasting, but maybe audiobook narrations in your future oh, too, my Charles. Goodness, You're not no quite, way. yeah, <laughs> not quite Stephen Pacey who does the Nowhere first claw. Or, or Michael Kramer or Kate Redding or doing real time that we're also reading right now. But, you know, Aliana. Charles.
1: <laughs> Aliena!
0: I don't know. You might have it. You might have it. Or, or right. it's Let's well, see. Iliana. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. <laughs> yeah. So, well, you know, keep working on it. And then, the, so the first thing that really drew me to Cold from the North, I know we're not supposed to judge books by their cover, Charles, <laughs> but <laughs> this is a Gorgeous cover, like I know, and we're also in audio format, so you can't see it per se. Wonderful <laughs> listeners, but it's a great thing to take a look at it. If you want to Google it, find Cold from the North on uh, Goodreads or Amazon or wherever, then just take a look at that cover because it's it's a really nice looking one. Yeah, it's yeah.
1: very impressive, and kudos to D.W. Ross. Like I was excited to read this. From the beginning, and it, it started with, you know, our, our peers talking about it, talking with D.W. Ross, reading this description, and then the cover played another really huge part to that. I, I'm i really impressed. In a genre where book covers can be so um, notoriously not
0: great, uh, really <laughs> smashed well played, it Charles. with this one. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'll say, you know, there are a lot of really awesome covers of stuff that's coming out recently, but then when we think back to some things like that, you know, we throw that The King Killer Chronicle cover out every once in a while, the one with Quoth shirtless and <laughs> yeah. all that, and it's like, oh no. no just what is going on here that's the king killer Chronicle by patrick yeah but don't worry they they updated to have a cloaked figure yeah Yeah. (laughs) which wasn't so inspired either but i will say that the the cover is just a thing i i was seeing this on instagram a lot which i just immediately would catch my attention every time i caught a view of it it's like this very aesthetically pleasing sort of like blue it instantly shows you the setting of this very cold for lack of a better word <laughs> uh, looking nordic type climate you can tell it's sort of nordic too by this uh, axe that's on the front of it and great color scheme just great look to it text looks great so oh uh, yeah props to dw ross for that awesome cover
1: absolutely and it, and Once you crack into the cover uh, and you get into the actual book portion, I have to say right from the beginning, this Nordic Viking setting is kind of underserved in fantasy. And I think that's a huge draw for people, including myself, is like, oh, this is I'm actually really intrigued by this world and how these Viking Nordic influences are getting implemented in this like high fantasy modern fantasy story and I was very interested in all of the details that went into the the world building and the choice elements of like viking culture that he chose to weave into our main character's society.
0: Yeah, that's well said Charles. I think that oftentimes the nordic inspired folks if they do have a role in fantasy stories that we read about. They get relegated a lot of times to sort of this culture that plays more of a, just kind of relegates a background, really. Like maybe our main characters who are likely to be from a more medieval setting in a lot of the fantasy that we read is, you know, gets in contact with these Nordic folks and you don't really get, the fleshed out world building of that society. Mm-hmm. And I'll say that you can tell that DW Ross cares a lot about this Nordic inspiration. I think that's something that if folks are looking for, like I haven't read anything recently that's Nordic inspired. And there's not a lot of stuff that comes to mind. I think of like Abercrombie, uh, if you're talking like Viking stuff um, his uh, like Half a King and Mm. that Shattered Sea trilogy does do some of that. Uh, But really there's, there's not a ton of these settings I feel like that take center stage in the fantasy genre. So if you're just feeling like you, you haven't seen much of that and you want this change in setting, then cold from the North is something that, might be an awesome fit for you and I'll say you can tell that DW prioritizes that world building a lot in mm. this story that it's his writings very descriptive in a lot of ways and there's a lot of different uh, locations there's a lot of different uh, places that you can tell have a lot of lore and import and history to what's going on so it's it's one of those that I, I think you know you'd you uh, would you want that map for, and you definitely want to, uh, like, be ready to get a lot of that, like, uh, a lot of that description of world, and know that that's going to be very critical to right. understanding what's going on. That's well said, and I could not
1: agree more. There is, you know, people are fans of fantasy for different reasons, but I think one of the very common reasons people gravitate towards fantasy is this concept of world building, right? Like every book takes place in a in a setting. But what fantasy has to offer is you can take some of these historical influences and build a totally new, unique, original world around them. And if you're someone that's intrigued by using Nordic-inspired history for your world building then there is a lot to uh sink your teeth into in cold from the north and i think that is perhaps the um most shining example of why uh you would be interested in 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 this book because it's just it's a unique experience compared to all the other books that we've read in the past year I, i don't think we've read a nordic book all year oh no so it's just it was kind of refreshing in that way of like hey it's like here's just a new place that fantasy literature is taking me now. And I
0: really appreciated that. I hear you, Charles. Yeah. the I think that how much the story is focused on grounding you in that world becomes very apparent as you're reading in the sense that you you almost feel there, which is saying a lot, I think, for... uh, like to to let people behind the curtain a little bit you might know i'm from colorado but i'm spending time down in florida with family right now and i am very warm in the south of the united states i would say (laughs) well you're the exact opposite (laughs) yes and i was going outside and i was you know trying to chill in the bright sunshine of florida and reading this novel, and there's something to be said for the fact that I was feeling cold <laughs> at points, <laughs> wow. almost reading it, and I, like, there, you know, there, it really grounds you in that. So I feel like, yeah, to take me out of my <laughs> environment of being warm in the south and make me feel cold in the north. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you Quite can the tell achievement. how yes is is <laughs> definitely an achievement
1: <laughs> that's awesome i i would agree you know we're both from the northeast originally and now we're both currently um residing in the south so we can kind of empathize with a little bit of what Olgaf is going through and i think that kind of adds another layer you know we've been talking about the viking nordic-esque side of the world building but there's also this cold side of, of the of the world <laughs> there building. there definitely as well. is Charles. <laughs> there definitely is and There's something to be said for that. I think, you know, D.W. Ross does a good job of putting the setting into the themes of the novel as well. There's so much, um, there's a lot of struggle going on, and there is this idea of hope and whether it's silly to even have hope or feeling hopeless or feeling hopeful. And the weather plays a very important part in that. And it's an important part of Olgoth's culture. So when, as they go to different settings and different scenes of different, different temperatures, it's like, <laughs> oh, like Olgoth, is like, it stays with him and it's part of his identity. And And that was a really interesting piece of Olgoth's character to watch unfold throughout the story. And I think it was just kind of clever, cleverly woven in by D.W. Ross.
0: Yeah. No, I I didn't think about that as much, Charles, but that's a that's a great point. I think that the you know, the story itself is the the word plot driven comes up or the phrase plot driven comes up a lot if you kind of look at the reviews that are out there. And I I would agree with that. I would say that a lot of this book like is it, it moves along more through like plot events than it does through character arcs, I would say, at least to this mm-hmm. point. I think we're very much—you can tell—it's a—it's going to be a series. I mean, I won't say how it ends to keep from spoilers, but I will say, you know, it says an oct—sorry, eh, an Onyxborn Chronicle on the on this wonderful cover here, mm-hmm. and I will say you can tell this is book one of the Onyx-Born Chronicle in the way that it's more setting up potential character arcs and where they're going rather than uh, starting and fulfilling a, like a full arc. There are characters that have conflicts that they're working out. And I think there's still a lot more to be seen down the road. So expect more that the the book is going to follow an arc of a plot rather than the arc of a character. Would you say that's fair, Charles?
1: Yeah, I would say that's certainly fair and I think there's a lot of reviewers out there that would agree with you and I think the reason for that is because like we said world building is such a priority here and a shining moment in that and I think the reason that we're able to say that is because of D.W. Austin's commitment to like getting us from place to place showing us a bunch of different places um, having a bunch of different set pieces and that is the like the driving force of this book we like you know olgoff is you can tell he's starting to get out of his um native he's going on his adventures right and he's Mm -hmm. seeing all of these places and that is affecting him but i you know we we have a lot to see and how he reacts to those is going to be a huge part of his of his character development. I'm trying to dance around the
0: spoilers here. I almost right. like, went a little too far, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> well, but um, yeah, you go ahead. Yeah. So let me, uh, let me speak to something that I think was, uh, I think I can compare some aspects of cold from the North to a, a series that some folks might've heard of called the Lord of the Rings. Hmm. Um, in the sense that an experience that seemed to be replicated to some extent for me was that the story felt very much focused on like making you feel along for the ride with a journey Mm -hmm. and that like a lot of the story itself is talking about the places that they're seeing and describing those places and uh, some of the history that might come from that place and I think that some... That was something I complimented The Lord of the Rings on after, like, I read for the first time when we, like, early on in our podcast run. So I don't know how long ago that was now to Charles like That <laughs> was in, like, the like,
1: summer's, that was, like, August. So, <laughs> right.
0: So when I was reading The Lord of the Rings, the thing that stuck out to me is, like, okay, well, this, I see how this is still a lot of people's favorite novels in the sense that it takes its time on the journey and really focuses on a world that in, in that case Tolkien very lovingly crafted and th- these sort of like working out just the like the logistics of f- going through a bunch of places and what going through this event has to or like going through this setting uh, this particular setting I'm also trying to dance around spoilers right. um <laughs> I, <laughs> I know the series. scene you're talking you know about what I'm saying? and that one like, was really
1: strong that was so, one of my favorite moments
0: Yeah, and it's almost, I think Mr. Miller, our English teacher in (laughs) high school, might call it a, like, person versus nature uh, story in some ways. Mm. Like, uh, I mean, there are certainly, there's a war going on as well. So there's certainly these clashing, I guess, societies or what have you. But a big thing that is an enemy in Cold from the North, and you'll learn this very early on, is the nature of the world so i'll say a in addition to focusing on the journey aspects it has these like clashes almost with the setting itself and i i think maybe if folks really like the idea of the like winter is coming aspect of a song and ice a, a song of ice and fire like game of thrones that aspect is explored to some extent um or at least like a similar aspect to that is explored to some extent and cold from the North. Like this uh, setting is coming for us rather than (laughs) necessarily like it's more impending a threat than are any characters is the setting, I guess I should say.
1: Right. That's well said. Like uh, there's a scene in this book. I won't give names or places or anything, but it's a group of people and they have just like innocent villages with them. And they're just trying to go through a more treacherous part of like a winter mountain. And it's, The stakes are high, man, and it's exciting, and um, it's, like you said, kind of man versus nature in a lot of ways, and I, I... it, it's a unique experience for me after reading a, a bunch of other of these fantasy series. And it and it reminds me of Lord of the Rings in that way. You know, in Lord of the Rings, they're trying to navigate the snowy mountains and there's yes. things holding yeah. them back and and that they're forced to divert into the minds of Moria. Exactly. And that's a, that's whole a other thing. thing. <laughs> exactly. So those kinds of scenes are are really rewarding. And it's almost like a um like a like an homage to those kinds of scenes in Lord of the Rings that's happening here in in Cold from the North. So, and I thought those were some of the best scenes in the book for me too. So those are great moments that you pointed out, Dylan. Can we also acknowledge that this is uh, uh, D.W. Ross's debut novel? I don't know if we said that at the beginning.
0: Oh, no, no. I don't think we did say that. And I think that's <laughs> a very important thing to, to say because I... I'm really thinking that it's, you know, it's such a big leap to, to publish a novel. And I could see from DW sort of, if you check out his like bios and things like that, the, there's a little, the sense of like, or his acknowledgments at the end of the book, uh, you can tell there were some nerves and things as i'm sure most authors face of actually putting this out there so um you can tell how much like writing this and taking time to really develop this world and those kind of things uh, were put into this so i think that any debut novel you got to put just uh, you know respect on someone's name for getting it out there and it's awesome like i just want to say that to dw and uh yeah and Say. Yeah,
1: it's not easy. I mean, there's a lot of work and effort and you know, you're putting yourself out there when you're writing a book and self-publishing. So, um the fact that he was able to come out with such a uh, well-visualized world and 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 setting in yeah. this first book is is a really commendable uh, commendable effort. Like excellent job, DW Ross.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I think that it's, it's exciting. You know, it's exciting to see someone at the start of their authorial career and to project out of what kind of things might be to come from DW. I can, like I was saying before, I can tell that there's a lot more to flesh out here uh, in terms of like future books, I guess it's uh, we're going to see a lot more. There's, I think prophecy was mentioned in the back of the book blurb that you gave there, Charles. Am I right in that? Uh, I mean, let's see. Yeah, it's it, driven by the promise of an ancient prophecy. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to say that's not a spoiler if it's the first line of the <laughs> back of the book and say, I think that you can tell, or I don't know if you can tell is the right way to phrase it, but I felt as though a lot of what may have, I don't know, I haven't talked to him about this part, but a lot of what may have inspired him would be some of these like more high fantasy, like older school type stuff with this uh, like elements of prophecy. I think of again, like Lord of the Rings or Wheel of Time or something like that, uh, where there's very mystical elements to it. And it's, I guess it's very different coming from things that we've been reading, well, not. (laughs) <laughs> there's a lot of mystical elements to Wheel of Time, which we've been reading, but we've also been reading Joe Abercrombie's First Law series. Yeah. And uh, I think, I would say DW plays it a lot more straight with the tropes, uh, with those kind of story elements, with prof- at least so far, uh, with prophecy, with characters, whether it's like good characters, evil characters, those kind of things. Uh, it Don't expect it to be this like, joe abercrombie subversion of tropes or things like that it's it more feels like dw is trying to uh, play it straight and trying to tell a good fantasy story in this nordic setting without like turning everything on its head
1: is that Yeah. yeah no that's really well said i think um inviting the comparison to joe abercrombie is an interesting One, you know, we've been talking a lot about Abercrombie lately through our character series, and we're reading all the books in time for the release of the um, Wisdom of Crowds, and... We've got people that love the series and then we've got people that have their criticisms and a common one, very fair criticisms people of have about, of Abercrombie are that, oh, you know, I read this first book and there was hardly any plot. I don't really understand the world or the history or the magic system. Yeah, you know, you're we right said about at the that, beginning that. We said at the beginning of this episode, there's a fantasy, there's... People like fantasy for a bunch of different reasons. Right. And people criticize Abercrombie for reasons that I think D.W. Ross prioritizes. And that is something to consider. You know, I would say, hey, if you read Joe Abercrombie and you were like, where's all the detail that I like? You know, another one I would say is we read um, The Poppy War, and some people criticize. the, the, pacing, the pacing of that. Which men, is, yeah. Like, I want to like, which
0: is the whole reason to read it. Well, right? yeah. I, <laughs> it's so, true. Yeah. I, yeah, let me just. Yeah, go for the it. The Poppy War has some of my favorite pacing in the. Yeah, sorry. The Poppy War is some of my favorite pacing in the entire genre. And, you know, I've been. Uh, accused of being a little bit hasty at times <laughs> on this podcast uh, and on the internet, <laughs> most yes. social media outlets, on other podcasts, maybe too. But <laughs> that being said, the popular breakneck pacing that I really enjoy. So I just had to get that in if you're going to. Right. Criti- but there's people yeah. that criticize that. And you're
1: both right. Right. And I feel like if there's someone who has some holdups about, like, oh, Abercrombie, where's the story? Or, oh, um, like, hey, uh, R.F. Kwong, why don't you slow down and yeah, show me the more of this Yeah, where's the time process? Like, show where's me some more chill? of this world. Show yeah. me the world, yeah. Like, those are the same people that D.W. Ross is writing for, I, I believe. And that's where his book stands out compared to an Abercrombie-type book or a Rebecca Kwong, R.F.
0: Kwong-type book. Mm. In terms of its greater emphasis yeah, on where its world building, lie, yeah. on greater priorities for like descriptions of scene setting, I would say. Like, there's a lot of descriptions of what's going on in the scene that feel, I think, like, I've always thought with Abercrombie, it's like he, I, I said this to um, to Benjamin from uh, Literature and Lo-Fi, he's a reviewer, uh, and we're talking after he read abercrombie's first book i was, and he was like k- kind of getting a little at this like i didn't feel like the world was alive in abercrombie's right. book and i was like well yeah what i'll say with abercrombie is the world is a stage he is setting so he can tell you about his characters and that part rarely changes well you can tell that someone like like dw what he's doing is he is the world is a almost a, a character in itself and in some ways one of the more central characters, I would say, it feels like in terms of, yeah, it's one of the forces they're trying to overcome. It gets a lot of attention in the text that is focused on the world itself and the scenes and what's going on in the places that isn't just serving the characters um, or even necessarily like the plot or, or what have you, it is fleshing out the world even more so directly it's like Abercrombie wrote, won't write text if it's not fleshing out the characters almost or at least yes does that make sense
1: yeah and that's what we love Joe Abercrombie for but right. that's just what he chose to prioritize and people you know there's a lot of fair criticism about that and that's just because there's people that are like you know I wanted to read something different and I think D.W. Ross is Um, writing for those people and there's a lot of what makes fantasy great in terms of like hey world building let's go on this journey together let me make you feel like you're there let me take you through the setting and those things are what made lord of the rings like so amazing right Right. and and that's where dw ross is um shown inspiration i believe just from uh that makes sense so yeah that's the point i wanted to make and then um, i hear you yeah so so it If you've, if you've read Joe Abercrombie and you had some reservations, then maybe, you know, something like cold from the North could be for you.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's a type of thing again of like, where does a story begin and what is it trying to leave off with? And what should you be like taking away and those kind of things. And I think Abercrombie part of what, like you were saying, we we adore so much about his work is that the st- the stories are character arcs. Uh, the story will end when the character arcs have been told, and I think that D W takes a a different route. Like you're saying, Charles, where the, the the story, a lot of it is focused on how do I like make this world feel lived in? How do I make folks feel grounded in this world and the journey that folks are going on in the world. And I think, yeah, that, that makes it like you're saying Charles up to what, what are the kind of things are what kind of things are you looking for in your fantasy story? And if you're a big world building person, then I think this very well, can be a, a great read for you
1: yeah that's well said i mean how many times have we been invited to participate in like twitter polls where it's like what do you look for in fantasy and it's <laughs> like times, characters yeah. <laughs> uh world building setting
0: uh, action you know and if you... i have my little response <laughs> you, <yeah. laughs> you see what i respond every time yeah yes there. <laughs> <laughs> it's like i make i do i won't get to it but i usually choose characters in there so that's yeah, that's my subjective taste, but people people will vote for all sorts of different stuff for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I would say people that prioritize setting, world building, <clears throat> you know, those kinds of elements of a fantasy story, uh they would um particularly be interested in Cold from the North. And you know what, guys, if you've got Kindle Unlimited, it's free. That is true. It's yeah. free and you got nothing to lose. And uh, yeah, thank you so much, D.W. Ross, for the opportunity to read Cold from the North and to talk about it. And, you know, we
0: greatly appreciate it. Yes, I would definitely want to echo those sentiments. Thank you, D.W. Ross, and thank you to our wonderful listeners. Uh, Feel free to reach out to us and Ask us any further questions about our experience here or anything else. And, yeah, we're excited to be shining the spotlight on indie authors over here at the Friends Talking Fantasy podcast.
1: Absolutely. You know, like we said, publishing a book and, like, even just writing a book and completing it, let alone having a version that is printed, is such an accomplishment. And we always – we we. We like to make the effort to stop reading like the best selling fantasy books and take a look at what the community is doing and shining a spotlight on the people that have caught our attention. And we were happy to talk about D.W. Ross's work today. It was a lot of fun talking cold from the north with you, Dylan. And I'm looking forward to the next episode, man. This This is fun stuff.
0: (laughs) <laughs> me too charles it's always a pleasure chatting with you and i had a great time talking some cold from the north today
1: cold from the north guys an onyx chronicle by dw roz type it into google check it out if you got kindle unlimited you got nothing to lose only a dollar also for the digital copy you cannot beat that so be on the lookout and I think
0: with that said, I think we're ready for that outro music. Let's get that sweet, sweet outro music pump in there, Charles. Okay. Thank you,
1: everybody, for listening to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. This has been your co-hosts, Charles and Dylan. If you like what you heard today, if you want to participate in the discussion, let us know your thoughts. The best place to do that is on Twitter at the FTF Podcast with a number one at the end. We also are on Facebook and Instagram at the FTF Podcast. And if you ever wanted to send us an email, you can do so at the FTF
0: tfpodcast@gmail.com. Yes. at gmail.com I mean, that's crazy we're giving out our Same. email guys <laughs> I will send you long uh, emails about the Kinkiller Chronicle if you're so, so inclined uh, I'd be careful with that guys he's not kidding
1: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Dylan if they wanted to further support the show in a way that was free for them and super helpful for us and they just so happen to be listening on Apple Podcasts
0: well, what can they do? Toss five stars to our podcast. Just find that Friends Talking Fantasy page on the Apple Podcast app. Scroll down past all those episodes that you're seeing until you start seeing stars. Once you're seeing stars, the optimal number of those to click to support the show would be five of them. If you have a little bit of extra time, leaving a review is even more helpful. But just listening, that is more than enough. Yes, listening guys
1: more than enough you all are so awesome thank you so much for listening to the episode we greatly appreciate it and as always go forth and conquer friends